So beginning in Jerusalem, where we're at right now, the gospel has been taken out to Samaria. And then with the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, it's been taken to the very ends of the earth. Even more than that, Saul, who's the biggest persecutor of the Christian faith in every community, has been turned into Paul, who is God's chosen instrument. The greatest enemy has just been made into a brother. And that brother has now been let in by God. And now it's time that the church followed. Would you all pray with me real quick? Father, I thank you that we are all able to be gathered here together this morning. Father, we come together as one family to worship you, to give you all of our praise. I pray this morning that we would have ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning and that you would prepare our hearts to receive it. God, thank you for the blessings that you continue to give us. I pray that our will would align with yours and that we would always seek you. Father, speak through me this morning. I pray that my words would not be mine, but they would be yours. God, just be with us. We are so thankful for your son, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. So, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, verse 1. That's where we're going to be this morning. And while you're going there, I want to challenge us this morning. Some of us may have heard this story. Some of us may have never heard this story before. But regardless of where you're at, regardless of how many times you've heard this story, I want to challenge you to hear it from a different perspective this morning. Don't hear it from where you're at right now, but place yourself in it. Don't just hear this story from a safe perspective, because this story is anything but safe. Nothing about what we're going to go through this morning is safe for the Jewish community. This story, from the minority point of view, as the original hearers would have heard it, was just about as unsafe as you get. It would have been essentially life or death for them. In the Jewish community, their identity is life or death. Obedience is a matter of life or death for this community. Verse 1 starts, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, who was a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, one time, right Jason? Good. (laughs) Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor has come as a memorial offering before God. (coughs) Excuse me. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying was Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was 
one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet was being let down by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. You see, in this story, the conversion of Peter is not necessarily something that is a one-time switch. It's not just a one-time flip, and then you're done. This conversion of Peter that's going on is a continuous thing. As he continues to learn more about God, as he continues to experience more of God, Peter is becoming more and more refined. His definitions, his mindset, everything is being refined by God. Verse 17 continues. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who is known as Peter, is staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs, but don't hesitate to go with them because I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went with them. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You all are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So even more than Cornelius bowing at the feet of Peter, which is a social reconstruction all by itself, because Cornelius is way up here, and Peter is the likes of a peasant. And so you have a Roman officer bowing down to somebody who is known as a peasant. Not only that, but he is invited into the home of a Gentile, a Jew. That's unheard of. 
And not only that, but he finds himself in front of a group of Gentiles. That would be an unsafe place for me if I was Peter. He finds himself in front of a group of Gentiles who are unclean, those who are known as common people, not really set apart like the Jews were. And they are all eager to hear the gospel message about Jesus Christ. They are so eager to hear these words. And Peter really should not have even been in this house right now. But he is. Interactions between these two groups of people would have been filled with tons of conflict. They would have very rarely, if ever, sat at the same table together because of it. And Peter is there to bring the story of Jesus to the Gentiles. And they warmly welcome him into this home. This is an absolutely gorgeous picture that Luke has painted. Social boundaries torn down. Cultural boundaries torn down for the sake of the bringing of the message of Jesus Christ. This is beautiful. Verse 29. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. This is Peter talking. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me. And he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Sent to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to hear what you have to say to us. I always read this part of the passage, and I cannot help but think that at the very end of Cornelius's statement, everybody in the room moves in just a little. These people that are gathered together so eager to hear this message about Jesus, and it's finally here, and it's finally time. And then Cornelius says, and we are so eager to hear what you have to say to us right now. Everybody, you wouldn't be able to help it. You would just lean in, even just an inch. I like to think that you would have been able to even hear a pin drop in that room. I think it would kind of sound a little bit like this. Any noise would have been shushed immediately. This message that has been given to Peter has finally come. Can't you guys just imagine that? It would just have been silence in that room. All of the anticipation up until now, the sending, the visions, the responding, everything is leading up to this moment. Everything that has happened has led up to this moment, and everybody in that room is hanging on every breath that Peter breathes. Just so much anticipating this message that Peter has brought. Then Peter begins to speak. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, 
but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all those who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge over the living and the dead. All of the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through sins, through his name. This is important, guys. This is salvation that he's talking about. Peter doesn't, Peter doesn't give the five fingers of salvation to these people. What does he do? He doesn't give the five steps. He tells the story. He lets the story tell itself. Because the story holds the power. The story holds all of the power. He lets the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ speak for itself. He doesn't try to do anything. He doesn't try to step in and be the mediator. He just tells the story. This is the brief version of the story of Christ's ministry, but it is also the most complete. If you need to get the whole gospel in less than a minute, you need to star this passage, more specifically verses 34 through 43, in case you were wondering. But this is the greatest story that's ever been told. It is because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is all, that is what we have. That's all we have. But that's all we need. That is all that we need. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all of those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God, then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The last two weeks, uh, chapter 8 in Acts and chapter 9 in Acts, we have seen encounters with the divine. In both stories, 
and this story is no different. I would say that Cornelius and Peter both undoubtedly have had an encounter with the risen Lord who is Jesus Christ. No doubt in my mind. But we also see some other things. We see multicultural church played out. We see disruption being okay. And we see vulnerability being okay. As Jason talked about two weeks ago, there was this unplanned interruption for Philip to talk with an Ethiopian eunuch. And then last week, Paul was interrupted by Jesus and became Paul. He was Saul. So there's these unplanned interruptions. But now we have the story of Peter taking the gospel to Gentiles. A message that was kept from those who were unclean is now shared. Those who were excluded are now included. And those who believed were used in the pursuit that God had for the people he loves. So far in Acts, we've seen a crowd who's been transformed from scoffers into believers in Acts 2. We've seen an exotic person from Ethiopia being transformed and baptized by the power of the gospel. And in Acts 9, we see an, a persecutor turned into a courageous teacher. And then this week, we see a Gentile Roman soldier being welcomed into the church here in Acts 10. You know, I think, about, I think about safety a lot. I think about safety because I like to feel safe. I like to feel comfortable. I like to feel secure. I think a lot of us are in the same boat. We like to feel comfortable, we like to feel safe, and we like to feel secure. I'm not always the crazy evangelist, contrary to what some may think. But then I read these stories, and I am absolutely astonished and amazed at how unsafe God is. About how he is willing to do anything. About how he calls us sometimes to be unsafe and uncomfortable, and not always so secure. He calls us to be prepared, and yet interruptible and vulnerable for the sake of his people. You see, I don't see a lot of safety in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. I don't see a lot of safety in forgiving people's sins in front of a bunch of religious officials who will call it blasphemy. I don't see a lot of safety in going against Jewish authority. I don't see any safety in being tried for fraudulent charges and just standing there and saying nothing. I don't see a lot of safety and comfort in the torture and in the death that he had to endure for us. I don't see a lot of safety in defending people who are filled with the Holy Spirit but being made fun of because they're speaking in, tongue in, front, in tongues in front of a crowd of Jews. I don't see a lot of security approaching someone who is considered unclean and has probably a bunch of security around him because of the social status that he holds. I don't see a lot of safety in stopping someone who is known for persecuting Christians and ordering him to believe in what 
he is persecuting against. Because not only when he persecutes those people does he persecute them, he persecutes Jesus who called him to follow him. I don't see any comfort in entering into a Roman soldier's house to share the gospel message with them. I don't see comfort in that. But we are not always called to be safe. We're not always called to be comfortable. We're called to be disciples. We're called to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with people and love people and live life with people. And and we're called to be uncomfortable and interruptible for God for the sake of the people that he loves. And being a disciple isn't always interacting with people who we already know and feel comfortable ministering to. It means going into the neighborhoods, the neighborhoods that we live in, and interacting with people who may be seen as unclean or common people because, one, they are created in the image of God, and we see them in that way not as unclean people, and two, we share the gospel with them and tell them of the hope and the salvation that is offered to them through Jesus Christ. And yeah, It's not always the most comfortable task. I get that. But we should be bold and vulnerable and courageous because we serve a God who is bold, vulnerable, and courageous. And loving. And caring. And so much more. Not only is God interested in part of His creation, listen, not only is God interested in part of His creation, He's not just wanting half. He wants all of his creation. He does not just want part. He doesn't just want a third. He's not cutting the pie down the middle. He says, I want the whole thing. And he's just, he's interested in us. He wants us. He loves us. While we've been reading through the book of Acts together, I've been thinking, and that's kind of scary, but I've been thinking about this quote from a book that's written by C.S. Lewis. It's called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know if anybody in here has read this, but it says, safe? Who says anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good, though. He's the king, I tell you. We don't serve a God who is safe. We don't serve a God who is secure. And Jason talked briefly last week about how God pursued Paul, which is true. And he also said that God pursues us. But one thing that we often forget that I will tell you, do not forget this, is that we were not safe to to pursue. Not all of us in here, in fact, none of us in here probably were safe to pursue. But God pursued us anyway. Because he wants us and he loves us. I believe in this story that God prepared the hearts of Peter and Cornelius both. There's a readiness to receive the word and there's a readiness to go and deliver that word. 
both. And one cannot happen without the other. You know, the Spirit will send us places to deliver the Word and to tell people about Jesus and give the story like Peter did. And don't be afraid to give that story because the story holds the power. Nothing that we can say holds any power. The Word holds the power. But there's also this thing within us that needs to be ready to receive that call. We as disciples, we talked about that, right? We've talked about that. Us as disciples in that role requires a readiness for us to be ready to receive that. Our hearts need to be ready to receive that call and to be willing to go wherever we are called to go. Listen, I wasn't safe to pursue. I wasn't the safest. I couldn't have been the most comfortable guy to talk to. And there certainly wasn't a whole lot of security around me. But God pursued me anyway. I wasn't safe. But you know what? Even though I was unsafe, even though I wasn't the most comfortable person to be around, I thank God every day that somebody pursued me. I thank God every day that someone did. Because without that, I wouldn't be here. Without that, none of us would be here. If there was no pursuit, and they chose to pursue me even though I was unsafe, even though I was uncomfortable. Because they were led by the Spirit to talk to me about God and have confidence that God was with them just like he was with Jesus. Because I don't know if y'all have realized it yet or not, but God is with you. Whenever you go somewhere, whenever you're talking with somebody, Whenever you're sharing the story about Jesus, God is with you then, just like he's with you now. He's with us now. But you know what? Even though there was all of those obstacles, they still chose to pursue me anyway. They chose to talk to me anyway. And they knew that God was with them. And even though the situation wasn't safe, wasn't secure, and wasn't comfortable, God was there to make sure that they were safe, secure, and comfortable. And he's with us for the same reason, playing the same role. And I thank God for that person. I thank God for that person who talked to me. And I thank God for himself and for sending that person to talk to me. If you would like prayer or to pray with someone, we're going to have a time where our shepherds are going to come down to pray with you. And you may feel free to come down if you like, but before that, um, let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word. That we are able to read it, 
and learn from it. Father, I pray that we would not hide your word in our hearts, but that we would be a light that shines in our community. Father, I pray that everyone would be able to see that light. Prepare our hearts. Prepare us to go out and share the story of Jesus Christ with others. I pray that we would have courage to go into our neighborhood and talk to people who may be unsafe, not always the most comfortable person to talk to, because in that you still love them and seek them anyway. Father, I pray that you would prepare our neighborhood, that you would prepare the hearts of the people who are in our neighborhood to hear your message. Father, that they would come to believe in you. Father, as I said earlier, thank you for your son. Thank you for the gift and the hope that we have in him. And it's in his beautiful name that we all pray. Amen.